From the American School Counselor Association, this is I Hear You Say, a podcast for school counselors and other leaders in education. I'm Jen Walsh, Director of Education and Training here at ASCA. Today, we sit down with Jan Demarius Morse. Jan is a school counselor at Goshen Middle School in Goshen, Indiana, and was named one of the 2019 School Counselor of the Year finalists. She is a graduate of the University of Maine and Worcester State College. She served as a school counselor for 29 years and has been at Goshen Middle School since 1997. During a time when the school climate at Goshen Middle School was deteriorating, Jan was instrumental in researching and advocating for programs that effectively met students' social-emotional needs while also increasing student engagement and learning. Welcome, Jan. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. I hear you say that the school climate at Goshen Middle School was at one time struggling. Hmm. Right. We are a very large middle school. We're one of the largest in the state of Indiana. And so our ability to build community and to have a positive climate was being stretched pretty thin, especially in light of the fact that there was such a heavy push for the test, the test, the test, and everything was about achievement and which achievement is really important, but there was so much focus on that. And there was basically an elimination of the social emotional piece of the student. And it was all about instruction and achievement. And our students were suffering. They're middle schoolers, right? And with that many middle schoolers in a building, you're going to have behavior and discipline issues and social emotional pieces of that can impact it negatively or positively. And we were not doing anything with it. So it was, we were really struggling. With such a high student population and the focus being on test and test scores, I imagine that for a lot of school counselors, it's hard to focus on school climate and school culture uh, and to really identify that need. Right. Well, we had an increase in discipline referrals, and we just could feel the lack of community staff member, staff member, student to student, and staff to student. And we had, I had been trying very hard to just incorporating the Ask a National model into the school counseling program and knew that collaborating with the teachers would be really important and addressing the social emotional needs of our students would be really important. So I had been pushing the model and been pushing um, for us to be talking about and addressing the social emotional needs of our students and hitting that domain as strongly as we could. But it was being ignored because there was such a push for instruction and achievement. And so it took a number of years to really get that message out there. Right. So often it is the school counselor who identifies a school climate issue and then works towards putting together an intervention or interventions to improve that school climate. Sure. At the time, I was learning more and more about community circles, and it really intrigued me. We had an advisory program, but nothing really special was being done with it, and it was being used to support instruction and remediation and and enrichment. And I thought, man, we're missing the boat. And so I had to twist a few arms, you know, when you're doing something different. And so I approached a teacher and I said, I have this idea. You're talking to me about the behavior of your students in your classroom. And I 
have learned about circles, community circles, and how it impacts climate and can build community within a classroom. And I really think that it can help you in your classroom so that you don't have those discipline issues. I think if we can work on the relationships with our students, and I would like to try that. Do you think that you would allow me to come in and kind of field test this? And this was a math classroom, so it wasn't even during advisory. And she was open to the idea because she was very relational with her students anyway. And she really thought that this would help her students, not only her students, but if we could prove that it worked, we could maybe have a ripple effect out of our building to impact the climate and community building better. So I went into her classroom and just kind of experimenting with different pieces. And it had some impact. It didn't have the impact that I wanted it to, but Part of that was because I was still learning and not very skilled at it, I think. And then the next year, I talked with another teacher, and she was telling me the same kind of thing. She had a couple of difficult classes. The kids weren't connecting with each other. They were at each other's throat. So I tossed the idea to her, and I said, can I try this? I, I feel like I have a better understanding of it. I'd gotten some resources. And she said, please do. And then we talked about, well, which class should I be in? And we talked about her high ability class was struggling a little bit, but she also had like her worst behavior class. And I said, let me have your worst behavior class and let's experiment with that. Because if I can change the behavior of those students and I can show that I'm building community within that most difficult class of years, then we have better evidence that this kind of thing is working and maybe we can collaborate with other staff members to build the program. And so we did that. And it was really foreign to them initially. These weren't even my students, so they didn't have a relationship with me and I had to go in and I had to establish that a relationship with them. And I was going in one day a week and I went in for about eight weeks. So this idea of community circles was not only a new idea, for teachers and administrators in the building, but also for the students. Mm -hmm. The first couple of times they would kind of look at me a little funny and they would humor me, but they weren't really engaging 100% and buy-in. But after about the fourth week, if I was late, they'd say, is Miss DM coming in today? What's the question? Because I would always have a question that they would need to respond to when they were entering the classroom. And do we have her? Are we doing it? And so it ended up being a very positive experience. And the teacher told me that she felt the, the change of climate within that classroom itself and how the students started to work together. And it wasn't that bickering at each other. So she was able to teach and these kids were able to learn because they had built relationships as a part of this community circle. And when we were at the end of the, the eight weeks and I was asking the students about their experience, it was so interesting to me. There was one student who was a bit of a behavior issue and he was a class clown, very bright boy, but he was not confident in his own ability. And so he would disguise it and cover it up with his behaviors. And through the process of these community circles, the students started to recognize his gifts and what he brought to the table. And so that really boosted him and it decreased his behavior problems. And he said that really affirmed him. And then another boy who, nice young man, but he didn't feel acknowledged or accepted or even that they knew he was present in the classroom and his comment was, it was really nice for me to get to know my classmates, but I really liked that my classmates got to know me. 
And then another student who had had attendance issues, but she was always there when we did these community circles. And she felt affirmed and recognized and accepted through the process of these community circles. And then another student just said, you know, it just felt good to have fun and to laugh. And I thought, man, that is so sad to me if a student is saying it's unusual to be able to have fun and laugh at school. But that was the beauty of this whole community circle experience. So it was very successful. The teacher continued to see impact. She started to talk it up. And the next year, we were allowed to do more training with teachers. And like, I think I had 90 90 of my teachers were trained in the circles process. And it's, it's growing. It's not across the building, but it's growing and more and more classroom teachers are trying it. Teachers generally aren't accustomed to leading something like community circles. So how did they handle that? It can be scary because you don't always have control. You try to have control, but you never know what kids are going to say or or do necessarily in the circles or how they're going to respond to what you're presenting to them or asking them to contribute. So it's scary for teachers, but as they practice more and more of it, they're getting more skilled. The students are looking forward to it and enjoying it and getting to know each other. So it's growing and it's just been a really beautiful and positive thing. And when I walk by a classroom and I see everyone, they've moved all their desks and they've got their chairs in a circle, it just, oh, my heart does a little flip-flop because I love that my teachers see the value of something that the school counselor has brought to the table and that our program is being affirmed and acknowledged as as contributing and impacting their classroom experience. I just, I love that so much. That is really amazing. It is so fulfilling when students are having that sort of positive feedback regarding the lessons that you're giving. So you said that a lesson started with a question? The lesson progresses from like having an introductory question that they they respond to as they're entering the classroom and it just kind of gets them in the groove of what we're about to do. It kind of prepares them mentally. And so they respond to the question and it could be something that is actually related to the curriculum of the classroom that you're going into. So if I'm doing it in science classroom and if the teacher is running it, the teacher could have a question that's related to whatever unit of study they're working on. Or it could be that I just want to have them, it's starting to break the ice with them. So I might ask them, you know, which season is your birthday? And then that leads into an activity in the classroom after we've done our circles where they have to separate by their birthdays. And then I do an interactive activity in there. And then it would lead into some discussion, might be discussion based on the question. It might be some interacting that I want them to have or a get-to-know-you activity or team-building activity within the classroom. And it could be that they're responding on paper or they're responding just on a chart or they're just putting a hash mark on something, but they're responding to this question. And then we go in and we kind of regroup. We come together as a class and in the circle, everyone, we do a greeting. And the rule is that If you choose not to greet people, because it's supposed to be 100% participation in the greeting, if you choose not to greet, then you can't meet, is what we say. No greet, no meet. And you can't participate in the next piece, which is a game, some kind of thing that introduces fun. And then we have a game, and the game is to break down those barriers, kind of just um, have fun together, laugh. And after 
the game, then we come together and we have maybe more serious discussions. It could be that we have a topic, just a topic that we want to address, a social social issue of the day, something that's going on in, in the news, or it could be something that's going on in our building, or it could even be just something that's going on in the classroom. So it might be of a more serious nature. And we end our group with um, a closing activity. That framework of a question followed by a game and then a more serious discussion really provides a nice structure for planning the community circles. But I imagine that there's other considerations as well, right? There needs to be four elements that we want students to feel competent and be seen as competent. We want them to build relationships with one another. We want them to have a sense of autonomy and independence, and we want them to have fun. So all those four pieces have to be part of that community circle piece every single time we get together. Those four components really tie nicely into the Ask a Mindsets and Behaviors for student success. We would always match the Ask a Mindsets and Behaviors to the, because we want to support our standards, right? We want our teachers to know that we have standards and, and, and that we're working toward that. We're not just willy-nilly having a program, but we have a reason for everything that we're doing. So when we put our lessons together, we include our mindsets and behaviors because more often than not, our classroom teachers are in the classroom with us when we're teaching the lesson, and we want them to see those. We want them to know that we have the same expectations for ourselves and for our program as the there are for them in addressing standards for their curriculum. Right. We talk about the Ask Our Mindsets and Behaviors and how they really can and should be interwoven into the entire curriculum of the school. So those common core standards and and any other uh, standards that teachers have as well. Sure. Well, I have a science teacher who last year said, Jan, can you come in and do circles with me? I've got a tough group. So we would, um, I would do the four components, but he might have the question of the day might relate to genetics or might relate to the brain, development of the brain or whatever he was working on. And then we could tie in the question to that. Our discussion could support that and be related to that but then we would still have fun the game doesn't have to be connected to the curriculum but in the dialogue and the questions that we're addressing it's supporting him and what he's teaching but it's also allowing us to build community with the students at the same time with an element of fun we'll hear more from jan in a moment but first let's see what's on the ask a scene brooke from wisconsin writes Hello everyone, I am currently subbing for an alternative education program for an elementary and middle school counselor. Basically, I am working with kids who were kicked out of regular education because they couldn't handle their behaviors in the regular school setting. I am at a loss as to how to help my middle school students. The assistant principal just set aside this past week to do a middle school relationship building retreat where the staff and students were to do activities to help build their relationships with each other but the retreat was a disaster. The students are still chaotic, swearing at each other, not listening, or refusing to participate in activities. My question is, what are your ideas in regards to helping these students become successful enough to have the chance to go back to their regular schools? Relationship building has always been my number one way to reach students, but it just didn't happen during the relationship building retreat and still isn't happening. We got some great responses to this question. 
Caitlin from New Hampshire says, middle school students can be super tough, especially those who are placed in an alternative program. From my experience, those who end up in these programs have experienced some sort of trauma which can heighten their emotions and behaviors. For these students, it's all about calming the amygdala and making them feel safe in their environment. I can completely understand wanting to try a relationship building week, but I am wondering if it was too big of a group. Sometimes it's easier to start smaller with maybe three to five students at a time. I have tried the typical relationship activities with students and most of the time they think it's stupid. Board games and card games can sometimes go a long way in developing relationships. I have played Uno and Crazy Eights. I find that the simpler the game, the more fun they seem to have and it really gets them talking and they don't even realize it. Denica from South Carolina responds, you can try seven habits of highly effective teens. I've done classroom lessons but found small group to be effective in challenging and possibly changing their thoughts and actions. You could also ask them what they would like or what would help them. And Bob in Oklahoma says, small groups are great and the smaller the better. I've had more success with small girl groups mainly because they love to talk. Either way, the key is listening. Just let them talk. Boys also seem to need more activity and if you are in an alternative setting, see if an extra gym class is feasible. You should always talk to students about consequences. All their decisions come with a price, good or bad. And Johanna from Utah says, restorative circles and mindfulness have done wonders for our middle school. Thanks everyone for those great suggestions. Don't forget that as a member, you have access to the ASCA scene, ASCA's online community which gives you the perfect opportunity to network with and learn from other school counselors 24-7. Jan, was there anything else that you did to gain buy-in from teachers? So another way that I was able to draw teachers in and to incorporate the practices of this circle of power and respect was that I did a book study, and um, it wasn't just on doing the circles, but it was on classroom discipline. And so it was an eight week book study of a book called Classroom Classroom Discipline. And we would work on just even instructional practices. We would talk about things that you could do to engage students, practices that would be more positive behavior uh, management kinds of things. We would help students become independent and feel competent in the classroom and be recognized as competent. And then we would also talk about the restorative piece and how do you build that relationship piece with a student where there's been a situation where the relationship has been damaged and how do you restore that and repair it? So we would talk about how do you repair that and we would use that language with students if they've done something. How might you repair that relationship? How might you repair that with your teacher? How might you repair that with a classmate? And then we would also use that language with the teacher. So how might you repair that relationship with the student? What could you do differently? with this student to help that student feel successful or feel that student could trust you again. So that book study went a long way. It was easy to read. They were interested in what they were reading and it wasn't just an assigned book that they had to read. It was a book they chose to read. Related to school climate, I hear that you also established a new peer mentor program in your school. 
Mm -hmm. Our program is called Ripple Effect. We have two schools within our building. So we have one school that is an international baccalaureate candidate school, and then the other half of our school is a new tech network school. And I knew that we needed to do something still, even though we are breaking our building down into smaller communities, we still needed to build community. And you have sixth graders with eighth graders in closer proximity, and we needed to allay the fears of our parents who were afraid to send their little sixth graders to the big middle school where all these mean and rotten eighth graders are going to be at. So I said, we need to do something to calm our parents worries, but also to build community within our school and also bridge that gap between our older students and our younger students so that our older students feel a sense of responsibility toward our sixth graders and then giving our sixth graders something to aspire to. And so last year, I advertised and went into all the seventh grade classrooms and said, next year, you're going to be the the leaders of our our school, and this is an opportunity for you to put that leadership into practice. And so students were invited to apply, and they had to answer questions. I wanted to tie in basically that college and career piece as well. So they had to fill out an application, and I they had essay questions, and they had to, deadlines they had to meet, and responsibilities, and they had to ask their teacher for a recommendation, and were, were responsible for getting information to that teacher. So I advertised, had students apply, then the teachers had to submit recommendations for the students. I went through the pool of candidates and uh, selected it, and one of my teachers had recommended that one of my questions be, do you speak another language? And so I was able, because we have a large demographic of Hispanic students who are Spanish speaking, I was able to get a blend of Spanish speaking students and non-Spanish speaking students and students who are bilingual and have that representation for, uh, be demographically representative of our student population. So then we went to a training. I designed a training last spring. We took them off campus and went to Goshen College and they provided us space and went through the process of training them during the day. And they didn't know what the program was going to be called. So part of the training included a a demonstration where they would learn about uh, the fact that it was a ripple effect where it involved water and a pebble and what that ripple effect would do and how that would relate to what they were going to do as peer mentors. And then we were able to unveil our name and I had a teacher design a logo. And so that was the beginning process. So then when we started the school year, we regrouped with the mentors and took them to a team building opportunity so that they could regroup, come together again, become a community as mentors. And um, and they could see some of the activities we might put students through and the power of that and how that felt and what it would be like for them to facilitate and lead those kinds of activities. So that was the beginning of our school year. And then the way our scheduled, our day is scheduled, our eighth graders and our sixth graders have what we call family time, which is an advisory period. So it works out perfectly that our eighth graders can mentor our sixth graders and not lose classroom time. My mentors meet in the sixth grade classrooms uh, twice a week. We have some video curriculum that are social-emotional, college and career, an academic component to that, 
And so the students watch a video, the mentors help process the video with the students, and there's a challenge for the week that they have to meet. And then when the mentors come back on Friday, they revisit the challenge and talk with students about whether or not they met the challenge. And then when there's extra time, they're able to play games. They they help the classroom teachers when they do the community circles. And then through the course of the year, I would touch base with the teachers. And I would say, how are the mentors doing? Are there things that they need to improve upon? And so the teachers would give feedback on that. I meet with the mentors weekly before they go in to meet with the sixth graders. I prepare them for the day or for the coming week, or we talk about issues of the day. And then also the mentors are able to say what their struggles have been and what are their needs. And so I can take that information back to the classroom teacher. And something really beautiful came out of that where the students were feeling the struggle of what the teachers are feeling. If a student is not engaged, that's something that's a struggle for them. Maybe they're not feeling safe. And and so we have to keep the door open and, and keep inviting them in, just understand that they're struggling with something. And so I could help them understand that the teachers experience that in the classroom every single day as well. But what ended up happening is that the teachers finally said, you know, we need to meet in community circle to discuss this particular issue. They wanted the mentors to be able to talk to the students about the struggle they were having. And that enabled the sixth graders to understand that they had a part in that. And then they problem solved. What could the sixth graders do to make the experience better? They asked the sixth graders, what could the mentors do to make that experience better? And it really had beautiful dialogue. And then you would have sixth graders who would hold their classmates accountable and say, well, you know, if more people did this, or if if people didn't sit out of the circle and participated in the circle, we would become stronger as a community. And so those were some of the things and the kinks that they had to work out. When I look back and as I look toward next year, I need to look for like many lessons uh, that the mentors can teach the students. We're going to reduce the video curriculum which it takes up too much of the time and doesn't allow for enough of that community or relationship building. And that's a really important component. But by and large, I think it's been really successful. It really sounds like it to me. And I know I can say personally, I love hearing success stories and it's really what drives me in all the work that I do here at ASCA. And now for what gives me hope. This past week, ASCA was in Oxford, Mississippi, wrapping up a two-year collaboration with Advanced CTE. Over the last two years, ASCA and Advanced CTE have offered workshops and other training opportunities, providing information, tools, and resources that middle and high school counselors need to connect students with their career passions. During the training, while discussing bias and assumptions, one counselor shared her experience with a particular student. This student, an African-American female who was not on track to graduate, expressed an interest in entering the construction program through the CTE program in her high school. This school counselor was skeptical of this decision because the construction program in this particular CTE center, and I would imagine a lot of CTE centers, consisted of a majority of Caucasian males. While after just a few short weeks, the instructor of the program shared with the school counselor that this student quickly became the leader of the construction program. She was earning top grades, actively and positively contributing to class discussions and projects, and even becoming someone the male classmates modeled and looked up to. It is stories like this that give me hope. 
Thanks so much, Jan, for joining us today, and thank you all for listening. This has been I Hear You Say, the podcast of the American School Counselor Association. We hope to have you back for our next episode, but until then, please be sure to check out our website, schoolcounselor.org, for school counselor resources. Also, we'd love to engage with you on all of our social media platforms. Find us on Facebook at the American School Counselor Association, on Twitter at Aska Tweets, and Instagram at We Are Aska. Thanks, and hear from you soon. I'm Jen Walsh, and this has been I Hear You Say.